Hello, and welcome to Play DNA. I'm your host, Damon, and I'm here with... Cassandra. And Sarah. And today we're going to talk about games that make us laugh. Uh... Specifically games that make us laugh. They might not make you laugh. We can't guarantee that. <laughs> but these are the funniest games that we know of. The ones that made me cry. Laugh so hard I cried. <laughs> you should just stop there. Just, they, they made me cry. <laughs> no, they, the end. That was my criteria for the games that I chose. Criteria. They had to make me cry. <laughs> what did we play this week? Oh, uh, let's see. We played Treasure Island, which we've played many a time. Great, great game social no not social deception Des, a deception game somebody hides pirate treasure and everybody else tries to find it it's fun uh and we also played fake artist which is actually one of the things i'm going to be talking about today so i'm not going to talk about it right now specifically a fake artist goes to new york yes fake artist goes to new york i played a lot of games of cribbage just, <laughs> a, just a ton of cribbage and we played an exit game called Exit the Cemetery of the Night. Oh. Cemetery of the Night? <laughs> it's spelled K-N-I-G-H-T, so oh. it's, it's kind of a pun, but it's a poor pun because you're actually in a cemetery where a knight was buried, so uh-huh. I don't know. The clues were pretty standard to what I've seen before in exit games, and it was a mediocre <laughs> exit game. I wouldn't say it was like the best... But it wasn't the worst one I've ever played. But it was like somewhere in the middle, I guess. Yeah. And then we played a lot, lots of Ricochet robots. We actually upgraded our Ricochet robot board. The one we had, we've had for like, I'm not even kidding you, like two decades now. So it's like really <laughs> worn out. And the pieces were so worn, we couldn't see them very well anymore. Oh. So we finally upgraded. Oh, wow. Congrats. To- <laughs> yeah. So there's more boards to flip over and stuff for more variability. And it, I'm glad we upgraded. Everyone's glad we upgraded. It was just a, a good upgrade. Like the pieces were so old. So <laughs> super glad. Um, it's actually manufactured by Z-Man Games now. And it used to be manufactured by Rio Grande. So they have a more standardized box, which I really, really like. It's the same size as the inch and everything else that we have. It's like the standard box. It's not like this weird rectangular shape anymore, which is great. Nice. So that's not, that's always nice. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about the funniest games. Yeah, go ahead. Tell us one of your funniest games. Uh, I'd start with Pit. Pit. Oldest game, funniest game. It's a hilarious game. It's also a dangerous game. We had somebody break a chair in half during a game of Pit. Yeah. <laughs> what? Why? <laughs> he sat he was so angry that he lost. He sat down so hard that the chair literally broke in half underneath him. And it was truly <laughs> hilarious. But also I, I would say Pitt has made me cry because I was laughing, but also cry a little bit not because I was laughing. I don't know how it could get that high stress. It's a stressful like twenty seconds game. Long. But it is really funny. Tell us about how it's played. Pit is uh, the original game of the grain market. Uh, <laughs> you might not know much about the grain market now, but if you lived in 1911, you absolutely would. Uh, Pit is the be- was the beginning of like the hobby games market. Um, build as what does our copy say? The our world's co- liveliest the game. The world's liveliest game. Mm-hmm. Uh, our copy thinks from 1928. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in excellent shape. It didn't come with a bell, so you had to bring your own bell. Now if you buy a pit, you get a bell. You have a hand of cards played in real time, and all those cards have grains on them, like corn and wheat and 
barley and you know your grains and uh, <laughs> you are just trying to get a hand that contains all of the grains of one type. So you'll start off with a random hand and you're going to rapidly pass those cards from one player to the next to try and get uh, all the grains of one kind yelling uh, one, two, three, or four depending on how many cards you want to trade. So it's just this frantic just scatter dash game of barley trading uh, and if you get them all you ring the bell and everybody just like yells and smashes things it's great yeah i never seem to win that game ever and i don't think actually glenn has ever lost a game of pit before he's just so great at negotiating <laughs> oh, no. and like getting people to give him the right cards it's you guys have to crazy. stop trading with him if you count cards <laughs> if you count cards in pit you can get a pr- like it's it's not that hard to count the cards necessarily. It's just so fast, it's so though. stressful and frantic that you, it, that's what makes it difficult. But if you no. can stand up to that kind of real time stress, um, then certainly it's a game where counting cards will give you a huge advantage mm-hmm. in terms of who not to trade with and thus who to yell in their face and mm-hmm. trade immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, I always get that one card that gives you negative points. Is it the bear or something? I can't remember. We it's never been play a while. with the the bear, the bull. Um, I feel like it would cause problems. Actual, well, I always get the bear stress. and there's like 10 points or whatever. Yeah, we just do plain old vanilla pit and it's very fun. <laughs> yeah, that's just asking for trouble. Uh, okay, so my first pick is a card game called Once Upon a Time. And I have only actually played this once, but it I laughed so hard I cried multiple times. And, and so it's it stuck in my memory. But Once Upon a Time is a storytelling game. And... The premise is each person gets a a small hand of cards and they want to tell a story that essentially utilizes all the cards in their hand. The cards will have one word on them and they'll have a little image to go with it. So the card might say something like door or princess or nest. And you need to try and find a way to tell a story that's going to utilize all of those words in your hand. But it's also partially cooperative because you're all telling a story together. Even though ultimately it is competitive, you want to be the one who finishes the story and uses up all the cards in your hand. But you're all telling the same story. So as somebody is telling the story, you want to find a place that you can put down one of your cards and interrupt their story by starting with one of your own words. Um, So when we played, it was just, it, it very much depends on who you're playing with, like the fun of this game. For us, it just was a really great group. It worked out really well. I was laughing the whole time. Um, You don't necessarily need to be all funny people, but you do all need to be committed to the experience of playing this game and like telling a story (laughs) that's more complicated than just like, there's a princess, she walked through a door. Like hopefully you're all storytellers and you want to like tell something fun and interesting. And um yeah, it's fun. It's fast. Uh, it's really small. You could probably buy it for less than twenty bucks, um, and I would strongly suggest buying it. That sounds fun. Should look into it. It was really hard for me to pick which games I was going to choose because I laugh at a lot of games and they're all subjective <laughs> and whatever. So my first game is Bonanza. Not everyone's going to love this game. You love Bonanza. <laughs> I love this game so much. It's the bean farming game. You farm beans. But what makes it hilarious to me is um, when you play with a bunch of people, because I think it can play up to eight or seven people. I can't remember the exact number. But if someone's trading a chili bean, for instance, and you need that chili bean and someone else needs that chili bean, it's kind of contentious. And you have to try to convince that person to give you the bean instead of the other person. But 
to try to convince them to do that, it gets really, really funny. Like you can barter and beg and like, so like, please, please give me this bean. I'll like give you something later. Like you can make false promises and like, I don't know. I just love this game. The beans are very comical looking. They have these <laughs> like, I don't know. Like the red bean looks like he needs to pee and like the green bean just looks like he's like a hipster. I don't know. I just love this game so much, but and the beans have pretty fun fun names too. It's fun to be talking about beans for a whole hour. It is. And you know, you get to farm them and trade them and I just really really like this game and it's always made me laugh every time I play it. But again, I don't think everyone would love Bonanza the bean farming game. So <laughs> <laughs> it's also Taking got kind of a, a push your luck aspect, which I feel like is really good fodder for comedy a lot of the time. Mm. Yeah. Bonanza note is a pun. Bone is bean in German, so Bonanza is supposed to be a pun title. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of puns. We could call it Beananza. There's a lot of puns in the game, so the humor has to come from somewhere else if you're going to be playing in English because a lot of the puns <laughs> and like visual gags and stuff inside of the game we're are, not translated German. properly yeah nah. so like blue bean has a very specific visual gag that makes no sense uh. in english um and there's some other beans that are kind of like that so you got to make sure you're you're in it with the hip fun people you got to be in it for the love of beans yeah for generalized love of beans. <laughs> people get really mad when you don't trade with them or you promise to trade with them and then you change your mind so that's another thing I really like about the game. It's really <laughs> intense, you know, like a game should should be. Uh, my second game is Junta. Uh, this is like Bonanza. I don't know if you're actually going to enjoy Junta. In fact, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure I enjoyed Junta, um, but it is one of the funniest games there is. Junta is a game of Banana Republics where all of you are like the cabal, which has taken over a, an island nation in like a military coup, and one of you is like a dictator who is going to get all of the money from foreign aid and distribute that money amongst the four or five, six or seven of you. It plays up to seven people and it advises you play between five and seven or it basically just won't function at all. Like yeah, play with, with as many people as possible. You want as many people as you can get. And it's up to the dictator who they're going to give out the money to. And a lot of times they're just going to hand it to the people that they like the best and leave everybody else out in the lurch. Whereupon people will start uh, scheming and plotting uh, to overthrow the government and start a new government with a new person as the dictator. Uh, the game is very long. <laughs> it's very long. Uh, you have to be prepared to get in for like several hours. Yeah, like a good three or four hours prepare. Yeah, and negotiation is a big part of it, um, as is being constantly stabbed in the back by people you like, people you don't like, people you liked before but now definitely don't like. It may cause real-life rifts. Uh, the method by which it actually goes about simulating the coup, if it, it ever gets to that point, is not fun, is not pleasant, and will sort of stop the comedy in its tracks. But we laughed for like 90 minutes until we got to that point. Um, yeah, they're two completely disjointed games and the game where you're handing out money is really funny the game where you're fighting the battle is not funny and it's a little less fun but still definitely worth playing um 
it's a hilarious game. One of the rules that I enjoy the most is that when you are collecting your money, you want to keep it hidden as much as possible because you don't want people to know how well you're doing. And the game specifically, the rules specifically say that you're allowed to hide the money wherever you want to. So people, like there's one moment when... Um, Somebody in our group had to leave early. They, they couldn't play all the way through the game. And so they're like, okay, I better give my money back. And so he pulls some out of his pocket, gives it back. And then he goes over to the bookshelf and he takes one off of the top of the bookshelf. And then he goes under the table and grabs one <laughs> bill from under the table. It was like so funny. He had all of the bills in like five different places. We'd never seen him put them anywhere. I have no idea how he did it, but it was, it was just really fun. That sounds it's a, hysterical. It's a great, well, I mean, it's a great game kind of strapped onto a not-so-great game. Yeah. Um, but it is absolutely worth playing at least once. Um, it's an old game. It shows its kind of oldness. Uh, if you play Junta, definitely make sure you're getting, like, the real Junta. There's, like, a card game that apparently doesn't work. Um, but uh, but it's worth trying. And it's a, it's a classic, definitely, from the 80s. Uh, my next game is A Fake Artist Goes to New York, which we actually just played last night. And... Uh, multiples of us laughed until we cried. It's it just so funny. So The Fake Artist Goes to New York is a drawing game, uh, but it's also a social deception game. So everybody is drawing collectively a single work of art. Everyone in the group knows what that work of art is, except for one person, and they're the fake artist. So everyone goes around in your group, on your turn, you draw one line on the piece of paper to contribute to the artwork, and the fake artist is trying to look like they know what is being drawn. Everyone else is trying to draw in a way that they convince everyone else they know what's being drawn, but not in a way that's so obvious that the fake artist can figure out what the drawing is. Because at the very end, the fake artist, if they have been found out, have a final chance to win the game by determining what the picture is actually of. So, for example, uh, last night we had an eagle uh, people were trying to draw an eagle. And you can't just draw the outline of an eagle because immediately the fake artist is going to know what it is. So somebody drew an egg. Someone drew just like the feathers underneath their neck, like in that specific shape. Uh, somebody drew a cloud. And so you kind of have to, but you don't have, you don't want to be too like specific about how you draw either. Everything needs to be very weird and loose and abstract. Uh, and it's just, it's just hilarious. Um, oftentimes, I'm afraid the fake artist does kind of stick out like a sore thumb. And that's where a lot of the hilarity comes from is just as soon as they draw something, you everybody just bursts out laughing because they are so off the mark. It's just so obvious that they, they are the fake artist. Um, it's really fun. I would say it's like a tad bit stressful for the fake artist, but also it's not as stressful a lot of as a lot of social deduction games because you're not acting. Like, all you're doing is drawing something on a piece of paper. Uh, and the the art that you get at the end of the game is also really fun. Um, the pad of paper that the game comes with has an area where you can write the theme. You write the title, so you can title it, and you can also say who the artist was. And you can kind of keep, you can keep all that art as a keepsake, which we are doing. We have all of the art that we've done inside of the box. Put it on your fridge. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah, I like that game a lot, but I do agree with you. Like when I was the fake artist one time, I was like, I have no idea what they were drawing. It was a spider, but I just like drew a straight line. Everyone's like, she's the fake artist for sure. (laughs) Yeah, it's really hard, really hard not to give yourself away. But sometimes you get super lucky and you just draw something that makes perfect sense and everybody trusts you instantaneously. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Remember that one time we played, it was at a bachelorette party, we were playing Spyfall and... And Jessie was the spy, but she kept saying, like, the, the word was vacation. It was, like, a vacation area. And she kept saying, like, cruise ships and, like, suntan lotion. And we're like, she can't be the person that's, like, the spy. And then she turned out to be the spy. And we're like, but how did you? Did you just get lucky? I don't yeah. understand how that happened. Yeah. Yep. And sometimes, too, like, the smallest thing can give the picture away. Like, one of the words we had last night was castle. And so I drew a flag, but I didn't draw a post to the flag. It was just the flag shape. And then somebody else drew a post on the flag. And as soon as they drew just that one line, the person who was the fake artist was like, oh, I know. I know what it is. It's a castle. I don't know how you got castle. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. (laughs) But it's really fun to see how, how I guess our visual memory works as humans, like the things that we think are important to remember about specific shapes or specific themes. Um. So my next pick is a game of cat and mouth. I talked about this. I just bought it a few weeks ago, like mm-hmm. two weeks ago, three weeks ago. But I picked it up at Target. It's amazing. So I'll explain it one more time. It's it it comes in this sort of suitcase like box. It literally you can carry it like a suitcase. Like if you were like That's walking cute. around and like you wanted to take it, it's like a suitcase. It's got a handle, and you open it up and you stick this little cat mouth in the middle of the board. And it's got these magnetic paws on either side of the board. And you flick these paws and these little paws flick these little balls into like the other side of the board. But they're through this cat mouth. So the cat mouth has like teeth, little ball teeth. You stick on there and a nose. And if you get the nose out, you automatically win that round. And then if you get all three teeth on your side of the board, you lose that round. And it's just hysterical. In so many ways. First of all, you're, you're flicking cat paws. I mean, I don't, I've never seen a game like this and it's like magnetic. So it's like, <laughs> it's so weird. And like the entire game is like made up of these neon, bright neon colors. And it's just, it's just a visual, like amazing thing to look at. And on top of that, it's just so fast paced that you and your partner, it's a two player game. So you can't play this with more than two people, but you get really, really into it because it's so fast paced. And if you lose it, there's a lot at stake. It feels like it builds tension very, very quickly. And when I was playing with my husband, we'd play like over and over and over again because I couldn't win. And when I finally started getting good and started winning, I've never seen him do this before. And the entire time I played games with him, like over a decade now, he like slammed his hand down and like kicked the chair. And he was so mad because I got a point. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. I'm so happy. It just made me laugh so hard. And, and I don't know what it is about this game. It's just like there's so much at stake with this paw flicking ball game i just think it's hilarious so you really love anger you think anger (laughs) is hilarious it was funny for me because this is like the first point i got in the whole game (laughs) for like six games he won in a row i finally got a point he was so mad that he slapped the table and kicked the chair i was like what is happening (laughs) and i don't know i just thought it was funny (laughs) i do want to try this game quick yeah it sounds super fun uh, so there's so many runners up. There's so many funny games that I really, really enjoy. But I have to go with Talisman for my third one. Mm-hmm. Talisman is so funny in its it's miserable. The game mm-hmm. is miserable. <laughs> it is just a cavalcade of miseries, and every every time it's like 
it's like Mon- Monopoly. It's a fantasy version of Monopoly. That's really all it is. Uh, but every every move, you're just like you're either being beaten down by the board, just it's beating you into the ground for no good reason, mm-hmm. or someone's rocketing to the top, mm-hmm. and it looks like the game is completely broken, and then suddenly they're torn apart by a gorilla or turned into a toad, Mm -hmm. or saddled with a ghost hag, or fed to a vampire, or something. It's bizarre. The game is is just wackadoodle nuts. (laughs) And I've never had, I mean, I know exactly what could happen in the game. We've seen every card, we've seen every event, but like the combination, the the random combinations of systems that it can create that just makes it so enjoyable to lose over and over and over and over again. And we had to house rule it a little bit because the game as designed is it's cruel. It's cruel. It's designed so that the misery never ends. Yeah. Uh, it's designed to to literally last up to seven hours. Uh we house ruled it so we can usually be finished in maybe two. And I usually don't like house rules, but this game like you this have one to needed you it. have to mitigate the misery <laughs> a little bit because the hilarity is what you're aiming at and the game was definitely designed by a sadist. I'll tell you what we house ruled. So the the game requires you to roll a dice and that's how much you can move and you have to move exactly that number of spaces. And so we had to get through you have to get through this gate to get to the next level. There are three levels on the game board. And if you can't get through the gate, you have to roll again and go somewhere else. So you just need to keep – if you can't get through the gate, you basically your only choice is to keep trying to get through the gate over and over and over again until you finally succeed. And you can't do that. You have to keep rolling the dice to move somewhere random. And so if you can't move where you want to move, it could take you upwards of an hour, two hours just to get back to the gate and get in. Ugh. This sounds awful. It is. So we, so we <laughs> fixed that problem. So right? now we house ruled it so that you can just stay in front of the gate. That's all oh, we good. changed. We also made it so the players oh. can't attack each other because that's oh, the fundamental problem that. in most of these games that would otherwise be funny is that when people attack each other and somebody gets absolutely annihilated, uh, it's no longer really fun or funny for them and they're just kind of playing a losing game forever. At because point. in this game, if you get killed, you have to start as a fresh character from the very beginning. So... Yeah, That's it's horrible. It's so brutal. So we got rid of that. But without that, it's <laughs> hilarious. There's so many hilarious things that could happen in the game. But uh, if you do want to play like a seven-hour game, if you have time to spare and or you want to play really, like a whole day game of Talisman, you can totally keep all those rules and, and go at it. You clearly really like rage and enraging <laughs> people. So there's not going to be any problems. People will get enraged and break chairs and it'll be that kind of joy, a different kind of game. Uh, this you is can make it into a lot of things. It is game. an old, all of the games. I really think they're super, super funny. Or back when like funny was the whole point, um, and strategy didn't make any. Nobody knew what strategy balance was. Nobody cared. Um, all of my runners up were also games from the mid eighties. Uh, this is a grim, dark fantasy game that hates you, <laughs> and it's super funny. Okay, uh, my final, I've talked about this so many times, but it's just so funny. Um, my final is Camel Up or Camel Cup. Uh, it's Camel Up. Camel Up, the game. It is so funny. Multiple times we've played it. We've laughed so hard. Everybody's cried. Like waking up neighbors amount of laughing. It is so funny. Um, it's just a camel racing game. 
you're you're racing camels and you are betting on those camels and the camels can stack on top of each other and that is where the hilarity comes from is that just because something is in the lead that doesn't mean that green camel is going to is not going to jump on his back and take the lead like later in the round. So anybody could win at any time. Like you can come back from so far behind and you just like it doesn't even matter who wins. I I feel like it's not one of those games that you get competitive and like you really want to win. You do, but you're way more invested in just like watching the camels do what they do. Um it's a brilliant brilliant system. If you have not played this, please please play this game. It is so funny. <laughs> one of the best designed games I've ever seen. Um and it plays a lot of players, I think up to 7. I think it was up to 8. <gasps> up to eight yeah if you haven't played camel up first of all what have you been doing with your life if you like board games but also <laughs> like you'll get addicted to it and want to play it over and over and over again to get sick of it because that's what happened to me yeah and a lot of other people i know yeah so yeah we don't play it super often anymore because that is what happened to us but it is so good every every once in a while don't want to ruin it just like keep it fresh um fantastic game you will laugh so hard there's so many. I, I, I mean, I could go on and on and on. But the final pick I picked was a suggestion from Damon called Time's Up Title Recall. Mm-hmm. It's also called Celebrity. But I've talked about this game before, so I felt a little bad about talking about it a second time. But at the same time, it is the most hilarious game I've played ever, I think. Mostly because you're creating this sort of language that you and the other players on the team on your team know and only the other players playing the game know and so by the third round there's three rounds to this game first you're giving clues and then you're saying one word clues and then you're like kind of pantomiming the last round um some of the clues given in the last round can be quite hysterical for that reason um i i can't get i have very offensive examples so i'm not going to say any of them but <laughs> No. Um, there was one. Um, we had a clue secret garden, and uh, my friend Jean Luc kept giving me the shush sign, like his finger in front of his mouth, going shh. And then he'd like put his fingers from under the table, like like weeds were growing, but uh. like no one got it because no one c- could get this card to pop up. And so whenever he'd do it, we're like, "What is that? What is he doing? <laughs> doing shh?" And then doing this weird thing with his hands. And then when I finally got the card, I was like, "I get it. It's secret garden. <laughs> He's trying to tell me there's a secret." Thing growing here i don't know it's just so funny and you can talk about it for years like i still bring up that secret garden thing and other things that we've done in that game and it's just so fun yeah it's the funnest game fantastic so. game also you can play it without buying it just look up the rules to celebrity and you can play it with a piece of paper yeah i've never seen the physical version that's sold in stores i really have no idea what it would i guess it would give you cards instead of just making up i things. own the physical version it's a it's just cards but they get pretty old if you played a lot Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know the it is a game that's very easy just to make up things, and as a result, they'll stay modern and relevant, um, since there's a certain amount of pop culture stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but very good, very good game. Yeah. I was very hesitant to play the first time. I don't like charades. I don't like charades-like games. Um, this is like the perfect renovation of charades that makes it playable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Plus, you can theme it out. Like, we've done a Halloween versions before, or holiday versions where you do, like, Christmas songs or Christmas titles and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I remember one time, Jean-Luc wrote on his card, um, and I was giving the clue, and it was David S. Pumpkin. 
And I was like, what is this? Like, how am I supposed to give this clue out? And I guess it's like an SNL skit. And yes. I looked it up afterwards. But yes, like, it is. You can learn like, a bunch of stuff from these stupid games you play. So, you know, David S. Pumpkin is like a fun SNL skit you can watch after you play the regular game. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you have any games that have made you laugh, then let us know. Uh, you can email us at our website, which is playdnapodcast.com. And you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Um, But thanks for listening, guys. Play safe, play often, and we'll see you next time.